Welcome on in to the Wasatch Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Dieters. Today's episode, we will be um, continuing our uh, roundup for this uh, preseason time period. Um, if you missed it, I did the uh, Western Conference uh, about a week ago or so. Um, just went through all 15 teams, talked about what they've done during the offseason, and a little bit of their outlook heading on into um, this next season. So, what the uh, the roundup is, we cover all 15 teams of, of the certain conference. We'll give each team about four minutes on the clock as a max. Um, so, we'll talk about the whole entire Eastern Conference in four minutes. Um, so, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, first off is the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, the Bucks looked to have nailed it this offseason. Um, and then... I, I think they put their, I think they messed up their own um, offseason for themselves. So what had happened was they they made the trade to get Drew Holiday, um, but apparently they had already agreed to the trade for Bogdan Bogdanovich beforehand, um, which would have been a sign-in trade, picking up Bogdanovich, and they would have sent out DiVincenzo, Ersan Ilyasova, and uh, DJ Wilson. However, in the NBA, if you complete a sign-in trade, it means you're hard-capped, which is the way that the NBA allows you to do sign-in trades but not completely load up your team afterwards. Um, mostly just a way to keep keep it to where you can't sign-in trade um, your way to an insane amount of, uh, of salary, and it's a way to, to keep the league fair, basically. So when they did that... Um, Drew Holiday's original contract fits within the hard cap. However, he has um, on any contract, there's likely bonuses and unlikely bonuses. And unlikely bonuses don't count against the cap unless you are traded into a situation that has completed a sign-in trade. So, the $27 million ish or so that Drew Holiday would make this year would have counted as 29 against the Bucks. They would have been over the hard cap and would not have been able to add any more guys to improve their team. <clears throat> so then the Bucks had to go back to Bogdan Bogdanovich, ask him to take less money, um, which is just ridiculous that they hadn't done the math and all that themselves already. Um, so that fell apart. So the Bucks still have Drew Holiday. They completed that trade. Um, they signed Bryn Forbes, um, DJ Augustine, Bobby Portis, and Torrey Craig in the offseason. So they're still they're still looking good. They're I think they're looking better than they were this last season. But losing out on Bogdanovich is is huge to them. Um, he would have given them another guy that can handle the ball, that can hit threes when uh, Giannis is driving and kicking out. Um, so that's a a big thing for them, and plus, just really fumbling that situation like that, it, I think it sends a bad message to a guy like Giannis, who is still trying to decide if he wants to uh, sign an extension with the team, or head into the free agency period and looking for a different team. Um... Next up is the Miami Heat. 
Now, the Heat were able to bring back their own guys. They had a pretty solid draft, I think, taking Precious Achua, a guy that can probably start next to Bam Adebayo right away just because of his defensive ability. Um, but they they lost some of their depth. Uh, they were able to bring back Goran Dragic and Myers Leonard, but guys like Derek Jones Jr. and Jay Crowder left in free agency because they could get multi-year contracts um, from other teams. Meanwhile, the uh, Heat were really only offering one-year contracts to those guys. Um, so the, the big big uh, area of improvement for the, the Heat this year is going to have to be internal improvement. Um, sorry, if you guys can hear my, my air conditioner, it just went off because it's a little after 6 a.m., so it's still pretty cold, so it heated up. But anyway, um, Miami Heat... Uh, internal improvement is where they're going to really need to where they're going to see improvement as a team this year um, they don't have the same depth anymore but guys like Bam Adebayo um, Tyler Hero Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn are still young enough that they can improve and again that's the big area for the, for the Heat um, I kind of think that making it to the, to the finals this last year was very circumstantial. Um, you know, they uh, they were in the bubble. Uh, first off, that we have no idea how much the bubble affected teams. Um, if te- some teams got a boost from it, some teams didn't. If some guys shot better because they were there um, and others didn't, we really don't know. Um, and I think the Heat are a team that keep themselves in such great shape that uh, when it came to the bubble, I think some teams were a little out of shape and the Heat were able to pounce on that. Um, not to discount the fact that they made it to the finals. I think that's a bit, it was amazing. They are a very good team. It's just I wouldn't expect them to do that again. Um, I think they're, they're sealing at least this season, unless they make a big trade, is more second round maybe to the Eastern Conference Finals, but probably a second round exit type team. Next up is the Boston Celtics. Um, I think the Celtics really fumbled this offseason. So Gordon Gordon Hayward had a player option, decided to decline it. Um, I think the Celtics really thought that they had the opportunity to bring him back. I think Gordon was done with the Celtics. Um, And then reports started coming out that Gordon really wanted to go to the Pacers, and the Pacers were offering Miles Turner and Doug McDermott in a sign-in trade with them, and Danny Ainge being... he's He's a good GM, but he's a hard guy to work with, I think. Anyway, he decides that Miles Turner and Doug McDermott are not enough and that he needs Victor Oladipo or TJ Warren instead of Doug McDermott in that trade. The Pacers are like, hey man, we're doing you a favor by making this a sign-in trade. Um, Really, we can just send you back whatever salaries we wanted to um, to make this work. 
or we can send off salaries to somebody else that will take them. So anyway, um, the Pacers stand still with their offer. The Hornets came in, gave Gordon Hayward a big offer, and signed him away. Now, the Celtics were able to work out a signing trade with the Hornets, uh, mostly just to create a, a big uh, trade exception. But the Celtics no longer have the talent of a guy like Miles Turner on their roster. Now they're going to be looking to use the trade exception to take on a contract of a player that a team doesn't want around anymore. Now, you could they could use that on a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge or somebody like that. Still get some value out of it, but... I really think they fumbled that. And other than that, they really haven't made many moves. Now, they added Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague. Uh, Teague will be their backup point guard. T- Thompson will battle for the starting center spot. But again, they could have had Miles Turner, which would I think would have been a perfect fit with their team. He's still very young. Could have been part of their, their group for a long time. Um... And then the draft added Aaron Neesmith, which gives them a little bit of depth on the wing. But they're going to need that now that they've lost Gordon Hayward. And they drafted Peyton Pritchard, which gives them a good three-point shooter at the point guard position. But he will be behind um, uh, Kemba Walker and Jeff Teague now. Um, Now this team, losing Gordon Hayward loses them a lot of their depth. They didn't have much depth uh, to begin with. They really had like their starting five guys and then a couple guys that could really play. And then after that, it was cheap guys just to round out the roster. Well, losing Gordon Hayward now, you're in a tough spot because Jason Tatum played the four last year and Gordon Hayward played the three. Now you might have to move Jalen Brown up to the three. Marcus Smart played the starting two instead of coming off the bench for them. Um, and Kemba Walker is going to be injured for like the first month of the season, so Marcus Smart will probably have to play the starting point guard. So losing Gordon Hayward was a big deal to them. I know Danny Ainge will act like he, you know, made the best move for the team and all that, but losing him and not getting Miles Turner out of that deal is, is going to hurt them long term. So next up is the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the Nets really didn't add much this season, but they are getting back uh, uh, Kevin Durant this year. Um, You know, last season, he wasn't able to play at all. Uh, Had torn his Achilles in the finals uh, the year before with the Warriors. So he sat out this whole season. So... You still have to figure out what he's looking like coming back. Is he really healthy? Um, has he really lost a step because of the injury? Um, you know, Kyrie Irving was injured for a lot of last season. If he can stay healthy, how can those two work together? <clears throat> um, the one really big signing that they did was to bring back their own guy. Uh, <clears throat> and they signed Joe Harris who the year before was making $7.5 million per season. They just... <clears throat> excuse me. They just signed him to a contract. Um, four years, $75 million, so almost $19 million per year. Now, you know, Joe Harris is an amazing shooter, but that's really all he gives you. He tries hard on defense, but he's not athletic. 
He can't handle the ball really. His the only thing he's really giving you is being an amazing shooter. Now, if it all works out and they win a title, that's great. But I don't know. I think that was that was a lot of money to give a guy like Joe Harris. Um, I think through trades, the the Nets made their their bench a lot better. Um, traded Zana Musa to the to the Pistons, and in return got Bruce Brown back, which gives them a guy that can play the one or the two. Very good defender, and then. Um, traded the 19th pick to the Pistons. Um, Pistons sent Luke Kennard to the Clippers in return. The Clippers sent Landry Shamet to the Nets, giving them a really good spot-up shooter, a guy that can come off of screens and hit threes. Um, now, there is still a chance that they could go after a third star, go after a guy like uh, James Harden or Bradley Beal using Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Jared Allen, guys like that in a trade. But as of now, the big question with this team is, what does Kevin Durant look like coming back? And will Kyrie Irving relinquish control of the team to uh, Kevin Durant? Next up is the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, <clears throat> now this team made a lot of moves. They brought in Daryl Morey as their GM. And he immediately fixed the mess that uh, Elton Brand had left for him. And he, he did it way faster and easier than I thought it <clears throat> it, it was going to be able to get done. Um, if you don't know, the la last season the, the 76ers gave Tobias Harris <clears throat> a max contract for a guy that's really a, at best a third or fourth option. And then gave a really old Al Horford a very big deal, uh, four years, $100 million, um, to come basically be their backup center. <clears throat> Daryl Morey was able to send Horford to the Thunder. In return, he got back Danny Green, which helps out their spacing, helps out their perimeter defense. And then <clears throat> during the draft, sent away Josh Richardson, who was, who was a good player for them. Um, but we're able to get back Seth Curry in return, which gives them a guy that can knock down threes like crazy, can come off the screens, can handle the ball. Um, so immediately they they increase their sp their sh their uh, spacing there, made it easier for guys like Joel Embiid and uh, Ben Simmons to roam around and and do what what they do best on the court. Um, you know, this last season, Joel Embiid had to try and be a volume three-point shooter, even though he's at his best when he can be down in the paint dominating, um, just because the 76ers had no space. So Maury came in and, uh, and fixed a lot of those issues. <clears throat> and then in the draft, uh, the 76ers added Tyrese uh, Maxey, who can immediately come in, be a better uh, backup point guard option than they had last season and hopefully can get to the point where he's knocking down threes at a reasonable rate um, and they added Isaiah Joe later in the draft now I don't know how much Joe will get to play this season but he's a guy at 6'5 that can knock down threes can play the two or the three um, and again just help increase that spacing for this team Next team up is the Indiana Pacers. Now, I have the Pacers as my sixth best team in the East. There are some people that think that they're going to fall out of the playoffs, they're going to 
really be this horrible team. I I just don't see it. I think this team has way too much depth, way too many guys that can play 20-plus minutes and give you good basketball. I mean, they're too deep at every single position, except for maybe the power forward. But then, you know, you can slide a guy like Doug McDermott over to the power forward and you're too deep again. Um, you know, for instance, so you got Miles Turner, Batad's day at, at Miles Turner and Goga Batad's day at the center. Zabonis and McDermott at the power forward, which Jakar Sampson, who they brought back, can give them some good minutes there too, and at the backup center. Uh, TJ Warren and Justin Holiday at the three. Victor Oladipo and Jeremy Lamb at the two. And Malcolm Brogdon, Aaron Holiday, and TJ McConnell all can give you good minutes at the at the point guard position. So this team, I I just really don't see any way they fall out of the playoffs. Now, how cohesive can this group be? I know Victor Oladipo was trying to force his way out, and then all of a sudden now he wants to be with the the Pacers forever and I don't know what to think with him. I think he really does want his way out, but for PR reasons, is not fully coming out and saying that right now. The thing is, Old Depot has value around the league. Now, maybe his value is not as high as what it's been in the past because he's dealt with um, his injury problems, but you can still get you know a decent player and a first-round pick from him. Um, you know, I... I can't really think exactly where where the Pacers could go there um, as far as getting into our player. Maybe like the... No, you wouldn't go back to the Magic. Uh, maybe like the Rockets for Eric Gordon in a first. Uh, something like that. Anyway, I think he still has value around the league if they decide to trade him. <clears throat> I think even though Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis haven't worked perfectly together... I think it, it it at least works okay. Like they're not they're not losing games because they have those two together, but they're also probably not reaching their highest potential because it's not just Turner or not just Sabonis. Um, <clears throat> so maybe one of those guys gets moved. But this team again, they have a lot of depth. They have a new coach, Nate, Nate Bjorkren who, from everything I've heard, is going to be a lot like Nick Nurse, Quinn Snyder, Brad Stevens, Eric Spolstra, where they just have this amazing mind for the game and are willing to make adjustments and put their players in the best position to be successful. Um, Let me see here. So next team is the Raptors. And, you know, Nick Nurse is one of the best coaches in the NBA, maybe the best right now. You know, Nick Nurse may be the best coach in the NBA. He's at least somewhere in that top five range. Extremely smart. They have really tough veterans and uh, Kyle Lowry. Um, they lost two really big guys, though, in Serge Ibaka and Marcus Soule that really made that team click. So I think this they're still definitely a playoff team in my mind, unless catastrophic injuries take over. Um, but, yeah, losing... Gasol and Ibaka is huge. Now, they were able to minimize the damage by going out and picking up Aaron Baines, bringing back Chris, Chris Boucher, adding a guy like Alex Len, who can be their third center that 
has started for teams in the past. Um, in the draft, I think they did a good job picking up Malachi Flynn, who's really a lot like Fred Van Vliet. And if, <clears throat> when Kyle Lowry either leaves or just ages out, I think Flynn has the potential to step in right away for that. Um, they're still in a good position for next summer to chase a max salary player. Now, I know they're really interested in Giannis. I, I really think that Giannis is going to stay with the Bucks, but they have the ability to create max uh, space by trading away Norman Powell um, and creating that space. <clears throat> but this team right now, uh, Pascal Siakam is going to have to be a star this year. Um, I really think Kyle Lowry being a, a small guard and aging, I really don't think that he can really run the, the show anymore, and I think Pascal's going to really have to step up and run the show for the entire year for them to, to still be a top three or four team in the East. Um, but I think they can definitely battle for the seven or eight spot. Um, <clears throat> got, you can also see some other guys show some internal improvement. Um, guys like OG Ananobi. Terrence Davis, Matt Thomas, um, you know, Patrick McCaw. I think picking up a guy like DeAndre Bembry was a good good add um, to just add some defensive versatility. Losing Rondé Hollis Jefferson is going to hurt them a little bit, but it looks like they were okay with letting him go since he only signed for the minimum with the Timberwolves. Um, yeah, this is they're, they're an interesting team still. They're still a team that is just a little bit of tinkering away from, you know, being contenders again. Uh, but I think it's going to be a couple years, at least one more year before we see the Rocket or the Rockets, the Raptors back in, you know, title contention mode again. <clears throat> Next team, and this is my last team I have making the playoffs, um, and it's going to be a tough battle. And now that the now that the league has the uh, the play-in tournament like they do. Um, which if you're not familiar with it, at the end of this episode, I'll really dive into the play-in tournament and just explain it to you. But um, it's going to be a really tough race for those last few spots in both conferences, both the East and the West. Um, but the team I have at the eight seed is the Atlanta Hawks. Um, <clears throat> the Hawks were a young, athletic team last year, uh, but they just missed veteran contributors, and that's exactly what they went out and added. Um, brought in Danilo Gallinari. They traded for Clint Capella at the trade deadline uh, this last year, but he never got to play with the Hawks. Um, so he'll be there this season. They added uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. They added Rajon Rondo and Chris Dunn to a team that last season did not have a backup point guard at all. Now they have a couple really good options there. Um, added guys like Solomon Hill and Tony Snell, give them depth on the wing. Um, and you're going to see more improvement from the young guys and Trey Young, Kevin Herter, John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish. Um, they drafted in Yeka Kungwu out of USC this year. And I think he can be, he's a very NBA ready, uh, prospect. The, the, the thing I see this team struggling with is figuring out their rotation. They have so many guys that can play 10, 15, 20 plus minutes and are going to expect to play that. 
and you're going to have guys like Tony Snell and Solomon Hill who probably won't play in a lot of games that on other teams could get 20 plus minutes just because they're in in high demand uh, positions. So that's the thing to look out for with this Hawks team. I think they did a great job of filling out this team, but it's going to be it's going to be tough for a guy like Lloyd Pierce, their head coach, to figure out who to put on the court at what times, what what groups to put together. And it's only made harder by the fact that the the uh, front office went out and added Nate McMillan as an assistant coach. Nate McMillan, you know, was a the head coach for the Pacers for a lot of years. Before that, he was the coach with the the Trailblazers, and a lot of people think that this is a sign that Lloyd Pierce is on very thin ice and is really coaching for his job this year. Um, but I think I think if they stay a little patient this season, let things work themselves out, figure out where guys fit, uh, figure out if John Collins is the guy of the future, if they need to move on from him. Um, I think this is a playoff team, though, with the Atlanta Hawks. <clears throat> the next team is the Orlando Magic. Now, they've been a playoff team in the last few years, but they don't get any better. They've really just been stagnant the last few years, running back the same group um, and hoping for internal improvement, um, have had injury problems. And keep getting the seven or eight seed, and I think this year they just fall a little short, especially with a, a guy like Jonathan Isaac, who's going to be injured for the entire year. Jonathan Isaac, if he can stay healthy, will be in contention for a defensive player of the year, along with guys like Rudy Gobert, Giannis, and Anthony Davis. He's that type of defender, but he's going to be out for the whole year. Um, they are adding Chuma Okiki, who was their draft pick last season, but he was injured for the whole year, so this is technically his rookie year. They drafted Cole Anthony out of North Carolina, um, which I think I think they have a lot of faith in, in Markel Fultz, but also if Fultz just really is not looking like a guy for the future, I think Anthony can, can be that. Um, but for the most part, they're just running back the same group. They brought in Dwayne Bacon to add a little bit of depth on the wing, but I don't see him getting much playing time. Um... They brought back Michael Carter-Williams, which gives them a good backup point guard, good defender on the wing. Um, Al Farouk Amino is going to be in or uh, going to be healthy this year after being injured all last season. So hopefully he can give them a little bit more depth at the forward position, especially again after losing Jonathan Isaac. But even if you know Nikola Vucevic has a career year, you know makes it to the All Star team again. If Mo Bamba and Aaron Gordon are showing more improvement, Markel Fultz, I still, I just, I have a hard time seeing this team finding their way into the playoffs this season. They are very well coached, and they do have some good veterans with Vucevic, Fournier, Ross, um, and Michael Carter-Williams, Alfred Camino, to where I, I don't want to fully count them out of making the playoffs. Again, it's just I have a hard time putting putting them in that group. Next up is the Hornets. Um, the Hornets, I think, will get that last play-in tournament spot. Um, they made the big splash of free agency, going out and picking up Gordon Hayward. Now, I do believe it was an overpay. You know, they're giving him four years, $120 million, so $30 million a year. 
but really not by that much. I like I think the uh, the Pacers and the Celtics would have been get willing to give him you know twenty two twenty four million a year somewhere around there. So it's an overpay by six or eight million a year. It's not that ridiculous of a, of an overpay for a guy like Gordon Hayward. And the nice thing for him is he no longer has to share the floor with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. He can become the guy again like he was in Utah. Um, now, the group around him is not great. Um, Devontae Graham showed a lot of improvement this last year, but he's he's a small scoring guard. You know, he's Lou Williams at best. Uh, Terry Rozier showed the ability to play off ball a little bit, play some shooting guard, but he's only 6'1". He's a good defender, but... You know, if you're going up against these six, seven shooting guards that are in the league right now, you're at a disadvantage there. Um, at the center position, Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo are solid. They're not great. Um, on the wing, they have two two guys that I like, and Miles Bridges and PJ Washington. But again, they're not anywhere near uh, being ready to be part of a winning team yet. In the draft, they drafted uh, LaMelo Ball with the third overall pick. Um, you know, I, I I, just do not see LaMelo Ball really being that great in the NBA. But if he pans out and he becomes what everybody else thinks he can be, then yeah, that you know, their, their future is bright. But by the time he gets to playing at that level, Gordon Hayward will probably be off of this contract or at least will be on the decline because he's 30 years old. He'll be 34 by the end of his contract. So this team, I think they can fight for a playoff spot, but I don't see much more than that. I don't see them all of a sudden shocking everybody and becoming one of the top four seeds in the East. I, I just don't see it. Um, next team is the Chicago Bulls. Now, the Bulls, they've been trying to get into the playoffs. And, again, I just think they're going to fall short again. But I I think that they're going to be better off this year. They brought in Billy Billy Donovan to be their head coach, who is a big up, upgrade over a guy like Jim Boylan. Um, they have some good pieces on this team. It's just... They really don't have that one big piece that can push them over the edge. You know, Zach Levine's a good player, but he's probably a, a number two or a number three on a championship-level team. Um, Laurie Markkinen and uh, Wendell Carter Jr. are versatile bigs, but you'd want them to be your fourth or fifth best starter. Um, Otto Porter is a solid wing. Again, you don't want him to have to, sh- to bear the brunt of, of responsibility. Plus, he's had injury problems, was injured for almost all of last year. And then their point guard, Kobe White, last season was a rookie. He showed some flashes. And, you know, I think he, him and the improvement of the other young guys is really the key to them maybe becoming a playoff team. But they did suffer some big losses, you know, losing a guy like Chris Dunn is huge to their defense. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be hard for them to defend anybody losing a guy like that. Um, I think 
the probably the biggest things for them to to uh, to improve and to move into playoff contention is again young guys improving. They have a lot of young guys on this roster that are versatile, have shown flashes, but have not quite put it together yet. And guys like Thaddeus Young and Thomas Sadoransky having really good seasons being the veterans that they signed last year, um, you know, hopefully having the seasons that they expected they would have last season for the Bulls. Um, so this is a team, I wouldn't count them out, but I think they're going to have a, a year full of improvement and figuring out what the system is under Billy Donovan, figuring out what young guys are part of the future and who needs to go. Um, so I think they're going to be just outside of the playoff picture. <clears throat> Now, these last three teams I see having no chance making the playoffs. Um, I think that they can have internal improvement. I think that they can make some moves and become better teams and, and allow their younger guys to get development time. But I just don't see a path to the playoffs for these teams. Except for this, this team I'm going to talk about right now is the Pistons. The only way I really see them making a push for the playoffs is Blake Griffin is fully healthy and playing the way he was a couple years ago, and Derrick Rose stays fully healthy and is playing the way he did last season. If those two guys do that, and the rest of the pieces they added um, can step up their game, then maybe. But I think they're they're really going to be a team that looks to probably trade Blake Griffin and get whatever assets they can for him. Um, and, and continue to build uh, around the younger guys they have on this roster. Now this team, one of the things that they have going for them that I really like is they're huge. Um, you know, you hear all the NBA analysts talk about you need to build your team around the wings and then everything needs to be about shooting and ball handling. I kind of like it when teams break the mold and decide, hey, we're going to build our team this way and we're going to fully commit to it, which is kind of the way the Lakers were last year. The Lakers were massive last year, and really the only 3-and-D wing they had on that whole roster were Danny Green and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and they're more shooting guards. They're not these big 6'8", 6'9", wings that everybody thinks you have to build your team around these days. Um... But anyway, so this this team, the Pistons, you know, their center rotation is three deep. You got Mason Plumlee, Jalil Okafor, and Isaiah Stewart. All three guys, I think, can play, um, and they're huge. Now, Isaiah Stewart's only about 6'7", but he's got this, like, 7'5 wingspan, and he's, he's built like a house. I mean, the guy is massive. Um, at the power forward position, they're three deep again. You got Blake Griffin, Jeremy Grant, Davida Stov- uh, Servetus, all guys that are 6'8 plus, have length, um, can rebound. Jeremy Grant's one of the best uh, wing defenders in the league. Um, at the small forward position, you know, you have your draft pick from last year, Sekou Domboya, who, from all reports, has put on some weight and is looking more comfortable than he was last season. You brought in Sadiq Bey during the draft, Josh Jackson in free agency. Both guys, 6'8". Josh Jackson is a freak athlete. Sadiq Bey is an amazing three-point shooter. 
Um, at the shooting, the shooting guard position, you have Sfi Mikhailik, who is 6'8", uh, Zana Musa, who is 6'9", and then you have really good veterans and Rodney Magruder and Wayne Ellington, who can guard on the wing. And at the point guard position, you have Killian Hayes, who you just drafted, who I think could be a star in this league, Derek Rose, and DeLon Wright, who's 6'5". I think this team is going to be big, and I think they can suffocate teams with their, their hugeness. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I I don't see them making the playoffs, but I think I think... They're gonna they're gonna be something special in the league this season, and going forward, I would like to see more teams built this way, um, and moving away from, you know, you have to have three D wings, you have to have a star point guard. That's the only way you can win. Um, I think there's other ways you can win in this league, and the Lakers just showed it. And for that matter, the Bucks just showed that too. <clears throat> Actually, you know what? I'm going to go off on a little bit of tangent here. Um, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Bucks were the three best teams in the regular season last year. None of those three teams are built around star wings, star point guard. Now, the Clippers do have two star wings, but they didn't have a star point guard to go along with them. They're, it was those two guys, and then good bench play and centers. Um... You know, the Lakers, LeBron James is basically their point guard. Um, and then they were built around being huge. Uh, with the Bucks, Giannis was a power forward. They had another seven-footer out there with him. Um, Chris Middleton, I guess you could say, is their star small forward. But then it was just really tough uh, guards that they put around those guys. Um, you know, the Rockets, before they ruined everything by going to the super small ball were built around Chris Paul, James Harden and Clint Capella um, so yeah the whole idea of building around wings is the only way to do it is just it's, it's crap it's it's stupid to, that people say that um, you know I, a guy like John Hollinger was saying that the Jazz had a horrible offseason because they built around their bigs and having great defense at the three-pointer and defense at the at the on at the at the hoop but they're a good team they continually get to the playoffs so I'm gonna get off my my tangent here in in just a sec but again like I said the idea that you have to build a team around star wings is it's not true anymore I don't know if it ever actually was true you can build a team however you want you just have to have good talent and you have to have buy-in to the culture. So these last two teams we're going to talk about, these are the two teams that I see having zero path to making the playoffs. Now, there's always surprises in the NBA, but I just I don't see it with these two, these two teams. <clears throat> so first off is the New York Knicks. I do like what the Knicks have done this offseason, though. Usually the Knicks would spend an insane amount of money go out and get, you know, they can't get the top level stars, so they get guys that are B, C level players and pay them like they're stars and it just never works out for them. This year they have new uh, leadership. Leon Rose took over as president of basketball operations. They have a new GM. 
Um, they brought in Walt Perrin from the Jazz to be their assistant GM. Um, you know, this they're looking like a more competent, smart front office now. Um, the guys they added were one-year contracts, and they're veterans to kind of fill gaps. They brought in Alec Burks on a one-year $6 million. He's a great backup shooting guard, can start sometimes, um, but fills that gap of, on the bench. They brought in uh, Nerlens Noel on a one-year $5 million. Um, has a very similar game to Mitchell Robinson. I think he could possibly start over Mitchell Robinson, but he helps fill holes on that uh, defense, especially down in the post. And he can he can get out on the wing a little bit and defend out there too. Um, they brought back Alfred Payton, who's a, just a solid backup point guard. Um, he may start for them just because they don't have any other options really. But for, I think. 80% of the teams would like to have Alfred Payton around as a backup point guard for them. Um, you know, they they made a trade with the Jazz to take on the salary of Ed Davis. They got two second-round picks out of doing that and then shipped Ed Davis to the Timberwolves, got back another second-round pick, so three second-round picks just for taking on Ed Davis' salary. And they brought back Amari Spellman and Jacob Evans as well from the Timberwolves, who are two young guys that I think that they can at least take a chance at developing. In the draft, they brought in Obi Toppin, who I think can be Rookie of the Year this year, is probably the most NBA-ready uh, prospect in this draft. And the one thing that I disagree with was drafting Emmanuel quickly. I think you could have gotten him in the mid-second round. Um, but... You know that's that's the guy that was their guy, um, and he does have potential. It's just again, I think they could have gotten him later, but it wasn't a horrible pick by them. So the Knicks are moving in a better direction. They're really trying to build this team around R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson for the future. Um, so this team, this is a team that I'm really interested to see what this new management group has them doing in two, three, four, five years. This year, again, I think they're going to lose a lot of games, but they haven't just dug themselves this massive hole that they do, that they have for the last 25 years. So the final team is the Cleveland Cavaliers. This team, I think they're going to try their hardest to trade their two best players, <clears throat> get, get any draft picks or... <clears throat> young players or whatever it is they can from them and Kevin Love and Andre Drummond. Other than that, though, this team is all about developing their young talent. Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Dante Exum is still technically young. He's 26. Uh, Damian Dotson in the same situation as Exum. Um, Kevin Porter Jr., Dylan Windler, Isaac Okoro, who they just drafted. Uh, Thon Maker might make the team. So this team is... I mean, they can put up a fight, but I think this team is mostly about building for the future and building around these young guys that that they've been acquiring over the last couple of years. Um, so before we end, I wanted to talk about the uh, the play-in tournament. I brought that up earlier. So the NBA decided that they didn't they didn't want these teams to tank. They didn't want them to 
decide, oh, we're not going to make the playoffs, so let's just lose as many games as possible. Hopefully we get a really high draft pick. Um, and part of, the, part of the ways that the NBA is moving towards stopping teams from doing that was changing the lottery uh, odds. <clears throat> so if you're not familiar, the NBA uses the draft lottery. Um, so if you don't make the playoffs, you go into the lottery and whatever position you were by your record, you get a certain percentage chance of getting the number one pick, number two, three, two or three pick. I think they go to number four. After that, it's just based off of your record. Um, so basically, if you're the worst team in the league, you used to be able to get uh, like a 20, 22% chance or something like that, something really high. Or no, it used to be like 40%, my bad. Used to be like a forty percent chance of getting the number one overall pick. Um, so basically, what the the NBA did was made it way less of a chance of that happening. Basically, to try and deter teams from trying to or from having the absolute worst record um, to get the first pick, because you're not guaranteed it basically anymore. Um, again, it's just a way to to keep the NBA more competitive. Um, so this play-in tournament is basically along the, that same concept. So the way it has been for forever, basically, is top eight teams in each conference go to the playoffs. Teams 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15 um, all go into the draft lottery, uh, but their season's done. So the the idea of the, of the play-in tournament is that teams 9 and 10 now get to go against teams seven and eight for those last couple uh, spots in the playoffs. So they play a little tournament. Teams seven and eight are at an advantage. At an advantage, they only have to win once in this tournament um, to keep their spot. The other teams have to win twice to to earn their way in. So it it still rewards the uh, teams seven and eight for having the better record. But it at least gives the the lower teams some hope of making their way in. Um, so again, this is the league trying to get teams that are you know, say early in the year you're the 13th best team in your conference. Most years those teams would go, okay, we're gonna trade away our veterans and we're just gonna try and get that first pick in the draft. Now because of the new lottery odds and uh, this playing tournament, now you go, okay. If we just make some small little tweaks here, maybe we can get into that 10th spot. Maybe we can fight for a playoff spot this year, you know, because teams make more money by making it into the playoffs. Um, that's an incentive. Um, so, again, if it, is it perfect? I, I think they can still make some improvements on it. But it's a better system than, I think, what was going on before. But anyway, with that, we'll go ahead and end this episode. Um, We'll probably be putting out a a Jazz Talk episode here in the next day or two. Um, But for the most part, um, just NBA stuff uh, when big news comes out um, or once the season gets going on the 22nd. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for listening. And have a great day. Bye.